You are listening to Sick Biz Buzz with me, Hillary Jastrom. Welcome back to Sick Biz Buzz, the sickest podcast empowering chronically ill and disabled entrepreneurs and remote workers and the only podcast of its kind. Our thanks go out to the Good Men Project today who supports us every step of the way and enables us to keep growing and serving. When you're ready for more resources, make sure you get our app on your phone too. And that's something you can be thankful for. Text SICKBIZ to 36260 to search for jobs that allow you to make an actual living wage right from the comfort of your own home, right as you sip your coffee in your very own kitchen. And really, how could there be anything better than that? I don't think it's possible. Cody Jefferson of Embrace the Lion is a multidimensional man. He is a results coach, redefining success, a father, a brand new husband, one week old, and an author at the Good Men Project, sharing his brand of soul healing and inspiration for one sole purpose, to help people. A former pastor and a person immersing himself in constant emotional and mindset change. Please welcome my miraculous and completely self-aware friend, Cody Jefferson. Cody Jefferson is back in the Sick Biz Buzz studio because Ayo. we simply, hey, oh my God, you all of a sudden you're Ed McMahon. Got to. <laughs> <laughs> we couldn't get enough of you, you know. Yeah. So. You've had some adventures lately. Let's just catch up with what's been going on with you. Oh, I mean, nothing too crazy, you know. I mean, got married. Ah, yes. Yeah, you know, just little things. Uh, we'll just go ahead and insert like the virtual confetti and the sounds of explosions in Woo! post. Yeah. Woo! That's <laughs> awesome. And your pictures, you guys. Oh, my goodness gracious. So you must be like doing some part-time modeling as a family then I'm guessing like, <laughs> you know, it's funny <laughs> part of our, so part of our, I mean, we have a lifestyle brand as part of what we do. And so yeah. we have a photographer that's on retainer with us and we do pictures every single week. And so it's so funny when people say, well, do you have a photographer that just follows <laughs> you around? And the answer is, I mean, we do. Yes. Okay. Uh, because <laughs> I was like your wife well, she's just naturally gorgeous, but I was like, how is this woman constantly put together like this? Like there is never a hair out of place. Her makeup is on point and she just seems to affect these facial expressions where I was like, how, how is Kayla doing this? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> this is good to know. <laughs> that's, that's just part of you know, part of what we do and, you know, a lot of the shots that we take and a lot of the things that we do, I mean, we try to make them as real and not staged as possible. Mm -hmm. Our photographer's really great to just kind of follow us around and just take pictures. And so, uh, but yeah, I mean, that is part of our brand is we expanded and pushed deeper into social media and marketing. Uh, one of the things for us that was that we just loved, like we just love good pictures and we love taking pictures. And one of our best friends is a photographer. So it's like, let's just pull her into the business and make this happen. Uh, and it's fun for us. It's fun for the kids. So it's a good time. Oh, that's fantastic. And no, I don't, I don't ever see any like stock photos of you guys, you know, like <laughs> there's none of, if you've ever gone on Shutterstock and you'll be searching like 
uh, man winning lottery, you know, and then some crazy man will come up, you know, very just canned winning the lot. I never see that with you no. guys. Never. So no. don't, no worries. <laughs> yeah, we used all of our own content. And I mean, if you want to see a picture of a man winning the lottery, you can just go on my feed and just see me standing next to my wife. Oh, come on. The brownie points are poured in. I'm just going to make sure she listens to this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll be listening at this moment. Right. A minute. Here we go. And that's all I needed for you today, sweetie. Oh, okay, great. <laughs> so that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. And, um, and you've got a family and you've got children. So you still find time to help people. And this is what we're going to talk about today. Because we had to come back because we only just started really diving into it. And then it was like, oh, time's up. And so it's like the therapist couch. Sure. The, you know, like, well, what really happened in this huge breakthrough? I'm so sorry, Mr. Franks, but we need to let you go now. <laughs> so, yeah. that's, so I want to give you the time to dive in deeper. Last time we talked about pain as being the most powerful teacher, reframing victimization into ownership, pain to seek attention, and perspective being a mindset mover and shaker. So... I mean, just have at it, you know? Yeah, well, you know, I think that, and, and we're just going to riff on this, so there's there's not really anything that we've prepared for this, but I, I kind of like the way that we dialogue and have conversation. And, you know, when I'm working with, with anyone, one-to-one -one or in a group setting, and we, we talk about this idea of pain, and again, pain is an emotion and experience just like anything else. Pain is just the one experience that we really can't deny. Right. So we can we can deny happiness. We can deny joy. We can we can deny those things from ourselves. But when pain comes at you, you can you can't you can try to numb it, but you can't escape it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of this comes from and, and we'll create these ideologies of pain and we will recreate pain in our lives based on our past experiences. And so we'll keep replaying a broken like frame or a broken reel in our head based on our past, because even though it may not be useful to us, at least it's familiar, right? Mm -hmm. So if it's familiar, I at least know what to expect from this emotion or this feeling. What I try to help people understand, which is a, a very different way of viewing your contextual reality, is that your past doesn't actually exist. It exists in so much that you allow it power in your life, but you were raised completely differently than I was. I mean, you would agree, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't know anything about your past. I know about mine. So yours doesn't exist to me. Therefore, yours isn't real, but mine's not real to you. So whose is real, right? So we, we understand that everything that we're holding on to, we have at all times permission to let it go. Because all we're doing is replaying some sort of cognitive or non-cognitive memory that we hold on to, to give us permission to feel a certain way, to stay playing small, to continue being a victim, to say that certain things aren't possible for us, to justify why we stay in a box to, to stay what we feel is safe, or at least okay. comfortable. So let's, so let's dig into being... You hit on a word that 
so I'm on a quest. Okay. okay. But my first quest is I'm going to stigmatize normal because it doesn't freaking exist. It doesn't. And the second quest is this word that keeps popping up and everybody is sensitive to it. And I want to reframe how we talk about it. And it's being a victim or it's calling yourself a victim. And I know that we have to, we have to give a definition. We have to give like acceptable and shared vocabulary to experiences so we understand each other. And so no matter what we call it, it's going to have a negative connotation. Sure. But there's comfort for people in being a victim. And I really want to dig into that. I want to I want to first of all address it compassionately. And and second, I want to make sure that that people are understanding there's even power in 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 quote unquote victimization. Yeah, and, and you know we have to look at it not in terms of good or bad because I don't believe those absolutes exist in this scenario. I just think it's what's useful for people in mm -hmm. how they want to frame out their life, right? So victimization can it can function as a shield or a barrier of sorts, right? I was hurt, therefore I can protect, hide, self justify why I stay behind this wall. Mm -hmm. So while, while there are, and this is a Jack Canfield thing, so while we cannot control certain events, right, it's our responses to those events that dictate the outcome of our life. And so when people brush up against this idea with me to say, well, no, I'm, I am a victim to this situation. Well, sure, I think that there are absolutely situations that happen in our lives that are outside of our control. Things are done to us, through us inadvertently, um, on purpose. However, those situations don't have to define how we move forward, right? So the response is up to us. Now, some people will choose to remain a victim to that event because there is not a practical way for them to confront that pain or trauma in their mind, right? Like, okay. I don't, okay. know, I don't know how to confront this in a way that's healthy. I'm scared of it. Uh, there's an unknown on the other side. So again, this is at least safe. It's comfortable. I've put these walls up. I'm comfortable with these walls. And again, that's useful for them. So we don't talk about this in terms of good or bad because it's not good or bad. It's just what's useful to the individual. If you're wanting to push past the pain and transform that pain into power, well, then there has to come a point where we do confront our own narrative of victimization to turn that into more of a, a victorious narrative. Okay, it, so let's, it, yeah. oh, see, I'm just so excited. I get so excited when you hear, I'm like, okay, okay, great. We're going to dive in. We're going to change <laughs> people. So, okay, this is great because this is the base and this is the starting point for people. And, I, and this is why I want us to like really peel this apart today for people who are sitting in pain. If you're sitting in pain, if you are, if you're still angry because you're sick or because you have a disability or because you have a recent diagnosis or whatever life circumstances are coming at you and you're angry and you're holding on to that pain. 
Why do we hold on to anger in pain? How does that serve us? Well, and understand, I think, first of all, what we have to do is acknowledge that anyone who is listening that is, that does find themselves inside of certain circumstances that are outside of their control, certain events, Yeah, I want you to know that you do have permission to be angry. Mm-hmm. You have permission to be frustrated. You have permission to wonder where hope is. You have permission to break down, to cry, to th- to to lash out, to throw things. You have permission. Mm -hmm. We, at some point, you will make the decision whether or not you want to confront your reality and decide what is most useful for you in moving forward. So, somebody who is continually angry after years is choosing not to move forward and they're doing so because probably in their mind it serves them or or they're getting something out of it sure and i think a lot of this is based in fear okay so so maybe what they're getting out of it is that they feel safer well, absolutely. Right. And because, because we can hide, you know, we can protect, um, we can self-protect. And when we can do these things, we, there's a way in which we don't have to confront our own emotional vulnerability and ownership. There's a way in which we can stay where we are because again, while it may not be as useful as confronting it, it's useful to us in this season because it allows us a sort of insulated reality where we don't have to own what is ours to control and what is ours to let go of. It's far easier to blame than it is to own. Oh, okay. So this is perfect because then we're focusing that energy on the blame when we don't feel that we're adequate to own these new changes or these realities in our lives. Sure. And, and, you know, we can take this in a lot of different ways, right? Mm -hmm. We can take this from the woman who was in an abusive relationship and chooses to blame that and to use that as a mechanism to never move forward, to never trust, to never love. Mm -hmm. Right. Instead of, instead of maybe confronting the reality of what happened confronting some of the ways in which she let her guard down and maybe didn't follow her own intuition, not saying this is her fault, but saying, what can we own in this so that we can make healthier decisions in the future? Oh, no, no, you're totally right. Because I was in a situation like that. And part of never returning to a situation like that is the awareness. And that awareness is really important, but it comes couched with self-love. You have to, it's a weird balancing act to say, here's my awareness. I was in this situation. I participated in this way because we don't just have a one-sided relationship. We make choices. We have reactions. And again, this isn't, this isn't blaming. This is saying I was in this situation. I was in this relationship. Here's how I participated. We have to say, I have the self-awareness enough with enough self-love 
so that I'm not going to sink down and say, well, I participated in this way, so I'm a bad person, and I can't make mistakes, and I don't deserve love, and I screw everything up, and I brought this on myself. That is not it. Not it at all. It is just owning what you have done with enough self-love to have that awareness so that you can say, oh, okay, that didn't really work out last time. What was what was appealing about this person? Why why did I not leave? Why did I ignore red flags? What what right. in was needing to be justified? What in me was needing to feel loved? What in me was feeling comfortable in that scenario, even though it was not healthy or useful? So, <clears throat> and the same can be true for people who, you know, have illness. You know, we have a nine year old with cerebral palsy, autism, and a severe seizure disorder. She's died twice this year. Like we've, she's lost airway twice. She had oh my a six goodness. and a half hour seizure, a three hour seizure, a two hour seizure. And it'd be very easy to live very frustrated, right? Blame some sort of deity above, whatever you call God, yeah. um, you know, and live in that perpetual anger. Now, is that useful? It's useful for some people. Sure. For us to say, okay, well, we can't control this. Yeah. But we can control making the most of every single day with all of our kids and creating amazing, magical moments every day because we now understand the fragility and the mortality of life and we're not going to take that for granted. Yeah, that. Uh, first of all, I just want to give you my, I don't want to say condolences, but I, but my heart felt. Oh, it's, it's our know, reality, just like anyone it's else's. Just, it's, it's a gift. Yes, it, it, and it it's so weird. People are going to hear this and go, what the hell does he mean by that? How in the world can that be a gift? But pain is actually a gift. And it's like if we don't use our pain, we're wasting it. It doesn't even matter then. It doesn't even matter that we have it. Our suffering doesn't even matter that we have it. Our agony doesn't even matter. If we don't pull out of it, the lessons that we are supposed to apply to our lives. Yeah. Which is really sad because then it's like, let's, let's use this analogy. We've all done this, got up in the middle of the night, right? You head to the bathroom and you stub your toe. <laughs> what is, well, what is it teaching you? Don't walk that close to the bed. Right. Do, you know, and, and so what, are we just going to ignore that? I mean, this is a very simplified and distilled version of this analogy, but really it can be blown up into anything. What are you doing with your pain? So we've talked a little bit without really addressing it about cognitive reprogramming, because to, to do that, you first have to be aware of what you want to change. Yeah. And, and so that is a crucial point to the conversation, right? Because you can't lead anyone to self-awareness, which is super frustrating mm -hmm. and annoying <laughs> at times. But it's only when one becomes aware that there are things in their life that are not useful. And, and there's this sort of self-reflection that says, okay, I'm going to take 10 steps back from my own reality Mm -hmm. and take a really objective look as to what patterns and habits are useful in my life, what beliefs are useful and not useful in my life, right? So let's, again, remove the whole good and bad argument because, I mean, that's a societal, moral, spiritual, religious, like good and bad, you know. Biased. Good, 
It's yeah, biased, totally. Yeah, let's look at useful and not useful. Yeah, right? that's perfect because let's it, look at it relative moralism and yes. immoral, right? Like let's look at though let's look from that frame, not from the frame of, well, who's going to be mad at me, what's going to be mad at me, what's you know. No. Let's it, pull back and let's say what's useful and what's not useful. What like I don't care what you say you believe. I really, I don't care. What I care about is what you do on a daily basis because that's actually the affirmation of what you think and feel, right? Especially when we talk about law of attraction and all of these buzzwords that are really hot right now, manifestation and things. Really, <laughs> it's where it's where your head and your heart align, right? Your thoughts and your feelings align to produce an action and that action drives you forward. So you could say, you're listen, I am great with money. Well, show me your spending habits. Show me your bank account. Show me that you're good with, don't just, I don't care what you tell me. Yeah. I'm a great husband. You should see me on social media. <laughs> oh, let me, let me come spend a week with you and your family in your home and I'll assess by your actions. Yes. Whether or not you actually are, or you just say you are. So I found that when we're trying to move forward and we're, we're pushing past again where we've been into where we want to go, we have to take a really hard look at what are the daily patterns and habits that need to die mm -hmm. or need to be brought to life so that we can move forward from where we are to where we want to be, right? Again, because our brain goes towards the path of least resistance, right? Interesting. Yeah, I mean, we just, we avoid pain and seek pleasure. That's what we do, right? Right. That's right. why people make New Year's resolutions to go to the gym and then they find out it's hard and they don't actually have a plan or process in place. They haven't developed the daily habits of going to the gym, of not eating like an asshole, of drinking water, right? <laughs> and so they fall off the wagon and they make a million excuses for it. Or they create really, really broad goals. I want to lose weight this year. Well, what does that mean? Like, I want to make more money working with you, Cody. Okay, well, I'm going to send you a dollar in the mail. We, I, you made more money. I sent you a dollar. Wow. Okay. And so we have to get really clear one on what we want, why yes. we want it, right? What's going to change as a result? How does this impact not only us, but how does this impact those around us? How does this impact the world? And it's in aligning the head and the heart with what we believe and see to be true to then taking the action steps and saying, okay, well, if this is what I want, this is what I want in 90 days, if this is the change I want to see in six months, well, then what needs to happen every single day, compounding day in and day out to make that a reality? I don't, I don't care that you believe it. I don't care that you visualize it. I don't care that it's on your damn board that you made with Lamborghinis and a mansion and a six pack. I don't care about your vision board. <laughs> What I care about is daily action steps. Listen, you talk about manifesting a million dollars. Go sit your happy ass at Starbucks mm -hmm. and just wish a million dollars every day. You're going to sit broke your entire life because it's not as easy as, well, I just, I just want this to be true. Well, show me. You have to, you have to walk into the action so that you you're do. meeting the opportunity. But I want to go, I want to go back in time for just a second because, okay, good. So hop in because there's no such thing as time or the past anyways. Right. So right. We, just, we just take a very painless step back. Um, why is it so important? And I, and I want 
I want people to ask themselves this question. Why is it so important that we assess our lives looking at useful and not useful? And the reason, one of the reasons that struck me is because it takes emotion out of it immediately. We may have the urge to get defensive and say, okay, well, actually that was useful because, uh, you know, I really did this and blah, and that's not the goal of this exercise. The goal is to look at what you've done and how, how it served you or not served you. It's not attacking you. It's not bringing up the need to defend your actions. Like there is literally no emotion in this. You're taking your actions, almost like writing down a list and saying, oh, I did this today. Did that serve me? Did it not serve me? I did this today. Did that serve me? Did it not serve me? I, truly, I have found being able to step back and get non-emotional about things is an incredible conduit to serving. So I was a pastor for 12 years and I, I left organizational uh, ministry. I left the church. I left, I left the Christian faith as it would be because I could no longer hold the position of being right. <clears throat> it wasn't a conversation I was interested in anymore because I don't think there is a right. I think different spiritual practices and ideologies and belief systems serve different people in different seasons of their lives. Sure. And I, I think that that's healthy. When I was a kid, I stole a pendant from my grandmother. And my grandfather was the head of the deacons at the Baptist Church, president of the Oklahoma Gospel Singing Association. He was a very, very religious man. And he took me in as his bedroom when I was eight years old after I'd stolen from my grandmother and I thought I was getting the belt because that's, that's just what we did when we were kids. Mm -hmm. And he sat me down and he said, listen, what's your name? And I said, it's Cody. And he said, what's your full name? He said, oh, I said Michael Cody Jefferson. And he said, yeah, let me tell you who you're not. You're not a thief, even though you've stolen. Mm -hmm. You're not a liar, even though you've lied. Interesting. Our love. And that was the first time that for me sitting in again at eight years old, what was like my greatest sin of the moment or to date and realizing that I'm not the sum of my good or bad choices, right? That I, I can't escape the goodness of my soul and of my consciousness. And it's so important to remove the ideologies of good or bad, of holy or unholy, or all the other. When we talk about this, a lot of people carry a lot of spiritual and religious, like self-deprecating condemnation because of things that they've done. And so they'll stay playing small because they believe that that's what they deserve. Well, I did this when I was younger. And so this is, you know, this is just what I deserve. Like mm -hmm, mm -hmm. some sort of like cosmic karma retribution. And I don't believe that exists. Uh, in total agreement. I, d I don't think we're here to either be, I think we're here to be rewarded, but of our own volition. But I don't think we're here to be punished. Not at all. And I think when we can give ourselves permission to step back and say, okay, whether we choose to believe in anything or not, mm -hmm. that whatever we believe isn't based on the sum of our actions. But through our actions, we determine where we go and who we are in this life. 
So let's look at what's useful and what's not useful, not through the lens of anything else other than what is going to what is going to push me to be the best version of myself. And what is that? What is that? Who am I? You strip the name away that you were given. You strip all of the ideologies that you were raised with. And you peer into the depths of your own soul and you say, okay, but you take all of this away. Like, who am I at the core and who can I become? What do I love? What do I want to do? What do I want to be in this life? And are the daily actions, are the beliefs, are the thoughts, are they pushing me towards that? Are the relationships in my life pushing me towards that? And if not, am I willing to do what's necessary to pivot and make changes so that I can fully become that who I'm intended to be? Yes. And it's so important that we get in touch with who we're being too. And and what I mean by that is for years, I was a quote unquote victim. I was angry. I was one of the unlucky ones. Some people don't get a family. That's me. Some people don't find love. That's me. Some people are just going to be butt ass poor. That's me. You know, I, and over and over and over. And I tell you what, it wasn't comfortable. It was like um, trying on somebody's jacket that's too small. Sure. I was, you know, never comfortable in my own skin. And I did not like that existence because it went against who I wanted to be. And yeah. so I, I think that's really critical to say what? Do I like do I like how I, I'm living right yeah. now? Do do I like this? Do and do I keep coming back to I want to change. I want to change. I don't know how, but my hunger for change is greater than this pain that I'm in, than managing this pain that I'm in. And asking yourself, like really, really honestly, who told you it wasn't possible? Right. Right. Who told you? And who gives them authority in your life to define that for you? Oh, nobody. Nobody gets that. And even and we assign so much weight to the people that we are blood aligned with. Yeah. We say, you know, well, this is this is how it is. This is how we grew up. This was our religion. Uh, these are the values that my family tried to teach me or friends or whomever. And so we take that and we say, so if I go against that, then I'm wrong. Yeah. And that's not the truth. That's not the case. That's not, I, I don't know. I don't think that, uh, personally, I don't believe in religion. And you and I have talked about this. Yeah. I'm very spiritual. Right. But But I don't think religion is like, black and white like heaven or hell like take oh. your choice there's no <laughs> i believe i believe we do a far better job at creating our own hell <laughs> than any yes <laughs> oh my god yes like this is hell thank you let's make hell the best we can every no that's terrible that's the wrong direction we <laughs> but i know but i know what you're saying i know what you're saying is that we do create our own hell so when you're working with somebody, because changing your habits, that's a big deal. That's not a, that's not a New Year's resolution. That is a, a commitment to a lifestyle change. It is. And, you know, that's why people hire coaches like me. That's mm -hmm. 
you know, that's why you have a coach, right? Yes, I do. It's because we understand that left to our own decisions uh, would be to be left to our own demise because changing habits is hard. And we are creatures of, again, the path of least resistance. And so to not have the accountability of those new habits that are put in place, to not have those check-ins, to not have somebody saying, okay, well, you said you were going to do this. You know, you've got skin in the game. You've got money on the table. You are investing in yourself. Yeah. But you know, it's time to put your, you know, it's time to put not only your money where your mouth is because you put your money where your mouth is, but now it's actually time to put your hands and your feet and your mind where your mouth is. And that, and you know what? Your mouth can hold all of that. If anybody's listening like, oh my God, how is that going to fit in there? You know what? It just works. It's just one of those, (laughs) but it's true. When you put skin in the game, then you have this, um, it's yes. It's your coach telling you, yes. You know, why aren't you doing this? You've invested in yourself. Why aren't you prioritizing yourself? And it, it would be like going to the grocery store, buying all the groceries and then throwing them in the trash. It doesn't make sense. But at the same time, then you're pushed into the performance and the behavior that you want and that you need because you do have skin in the game. So I know I have homework this week, right? Right. That's why you'll find the most successful people have coaches. Yes, absolutely. And it's interesting because a lot of people will say, well, I don't need a coach. I know what I need to do. I know myself. I don't want somebody just kicking my own butt and sitting back and taking my money. And that's not what it's about. It's a perspective shift of somebody looking into your life. Yeah. And, and seeing the things that you can't see, right? Like yeah. being, able to, being able to be objective before you can be objective. And yeah, does anyone need a coach? Well, no, nobody no, nobody needs a coach. Mm-hmm. It's those who recognize that they will get farther, faster, and more efficiently, right? Recognize their own potential and are willing to go all in on themselves. Those are the game changers, right? And those are the ones who invest in themselves and hire coaches. And you look to it, like if we're trying to change habits. So my husband quit smoking after decades and he is now, he has been a non-smoker now for probably like a year and uh, three months or something like that, which was a phenomenal accomplishment because he smoked those super nasty clove cigarettes. And I was like, good God almighty, I do not know how you are doing this. (laughs) But he did it. Let me just put it this way. Do you think he would have succeeded if he was by himself and he was around people who did not support him or if he did, would he have a greater chance for success if he had people who were around him who were cheering him on, who were helping to distract him, who were helping to, you know, replace some of these habits with with good actions? Well, I mean, you know, it's a no-brainer. And listeners, you have to give yourself permission mm-hmm. to let go of relationships that no longer serve you. That's I, hard. I, that's yeah. hard for people. Well, I just want to be a good friend. I just listen, like cool. Sometimes walking in love is walking in distance, right? If nice. you hanging out with the same people that you've hung out with since high school that are doing nothing with your life and you're wondering why you're stuck. Yeah. Like, yeah. Show me your circle. 
right? Show right. me your circle. Show that's your a circle. new that's a new take on you show me yours, I'll show you mine. Show me your yeah. circle. That's an showing yeah. you my circle, right? Yeah. Like I just posted a picture of myself with my three best friends. Three mm -hmm. of us. Three of us were pastors. Three of us left the church. Three of us got divorced, right? And then others four. I was like, Brandon was never a pastor. Um, <laughs> closet alcoholic. One of us was a drug addict. Several of us were womanizers, like serial daters, just, you know, whatever. Um, all four of us at some point were written off, right? Oh, yeah. you're finished. You're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to do anything. Like, it's time to play small. It's time to give up. Now, between the six of us, or sorry, between the four of us, we have six businesses and we generate eight figures a year. Mm -hmm. Why? Because we keep our circle small, intentional. We we roll with the people that are making moves. I don't have time for anything else. Yes. I don't have time for relationships that don't serve me and that I don't serve either. Like it, It's not a point of, well, you're kind of an asshole. No, it's literally we're going to run out of things to talk about. You're either going to get frustrated at me or I'm going to get frustrated at you. This is going to be a losing conversation because we're not going to have things to talk about. We're not going to have ways in which to push each other forward. If you're not pushing me and I'm not pushing you, if we're not holding each other accountable, if we're not taking bets on who's going to reach what first, I'm not interested. I got yeah. one life. I don't owe anyone shit. Yeah. We don't know anyone shit. And that no. means walking away is okay. You know what? You can love from a distance. When you walk away, it's not saying, but I never, but I never loved you or I never will love you again. It is saying, I'm going to love you, but you're going to be over there. You're going to yep. be over there. And, and I don't wish you ill. I don't, I don't wish horrendous things to happen unless you're a murderer, then maybe that, you know, we'll struggle with that a little bit. But if, for the most part, I don't wish bad things for you. In fact, I might pray for you. I might send you white light. I might do, you know, whatever, but it's like you, you're not fitting. You're not no. fitting in my life. And also when you get to a certain point, you can't go backwards. You just simply can't. Participating in uh, emotional dialogue or dynamic is simply not possible because you have made these strides and these steps forward. And all of a sudden, you'll just go, well, this is totally alien for me to participate in behavior that I used to execute every day. Think of it this way. Think of you holding a string between both hands and your finger and your thumb. Right. So you've got these, this string and it's at the same point. So maybe it's eye level. Well, you start taking this string and lifting it up on the right side. This is you elevating, pushing forward, moving forward. And you've got someone on the on the maybe your left hand that's always, you know, just been your friend, but not, is not interested in going anywhere that you're even trying to go. Doesn't have to go where you're going, but even elevating in their own ways. They just want to stay where they are. Eventually, the tension on that string is going to get so tight that it's going to break. Yeah. And we have to understand that some of the strings and relationships in our lives are going to break. Some of your listeners will resonate with this deeply. I had to give up relationship with several members, several dear, dear members of my family that I love, I believe in, I cherish, I will always support. I would be there at a moment's notice if they need anything, but we are not going to converse anymore. Yes. We are, I am not going to be at family events anymore mm -hmm. because for me, you don't understand what I do. You are not in support of what I do. You have nothing but ill and negative to say about me. 
to myself, to my family, to my community, right? Because you don't understand because I'm going against the, the religious beliefs that you adhere to. And so now I'm, you know, lost or whatever the case may be. Cool. I, I respect your view. I do because I don't have anything to prove or protect or hide. I don't have anything to win. Yeah. Now for me to move forward and be healthy with my family, we're going to go ahead and part ways. I love you, but walking in love is sometimes walking in distance. And I give you permission to feel and do and act in any way you please that you feel is useful to you. I just ask that you respect the same for me. How did you you get? uh, Not my own. (laughs) Yeah. And now how, how did you get to that place? Because you didn't just arrive there. You had to continually revisit the option of doing that, of saying, Oh, something's off here. Something is not in alignment with my heart and my head and my soul. And so I'm going to, did you, did you rip off the bandaid? Did you have an epiphany one day after enough is enough? How did that happen for you? I lived 31 years of my life. Insecure, afraid, a yes man's everything and anyone equating my worth with the value that I could bring to others, equating my worth with my usefulness, with my ability to be liked and to be all things to all people. I sacrificed my soul. I sacrificed my family on the altar of some bullshit ministry and call that I thought was mine to own. Mm -hmm. And it was useful. And I don't negate what I've done in this life, and it wasn't fake, it wasn't half-hearted, I put everything into everything I've ever done. But it got to a point where, again, I got objective and I said, you know what? I am living for everyone but myself. Yeah. And this is what it's gotten me. It's gotten me drinking too much. It's gotten me you know, went through a very public divorce, lost half the time with my son, all because I was so insecure and seeking validation and affirmation that I had to put everyone that honestly didn't give a shit about me. And that's, that's not a dig or a call out. Like just genuinely, I was in the service industry with the church. They don't care about you. They want you to help them solve their own pain. And really they don't even want to take action on it. They just want to give you permission to say, well, just rest and wait and trust and, you know, continue playing small. Um, I was like, you know what? Like, I don't really have any other way to say this. Like, just fuck this. <laughs> like, but that, that, like, if you don't like man i watched like i i literally buried my 18 month old niece three weeks after my separation i buried my best friend on my birthday i buried six other family members i i i went through adrenal and hormonal shutdown i went septic yeah. And unconscious for three days because of the stress of trying to keep all my shit together and seeing perfect for everyone else while my world was crumbling. I'm 170 pounds. Now I got down to 124 pounds. Holy cow. And I thought, you know what? I'm I'm done. I'm gonna I'm gonna serve I'm gonna serve the men and women who are where I was, who don't know how to climb the fuck out of their own head and out of the hole that they've created for themselves, only to realize that the hole doesn't exist outside of the power that they give it. Yeah. Because you could never have gotten out of that 
unless you were empowered to do so. And you know what I did? I left ministry. I had no money. I took all of my money and I knew what I wanted to do with my life. I just didn't know how to do it. I, I was really good at what I did and I knew how to translate it, but I just didn't know how to make the business work in terms of coaching and consulting. So I took, I took my last few thousand dollars and I hired a coach. Wow. And, and, and we hear that though. We hear that from so many people that <clears throat> they lost everything. They like, like literally everything finances. Like they, they can't even yeah. locate their soul anymore or their purpose or their family and their friends and the love of their life. They lose it all and get to this rock bottom place. And then you can make a choice. Even, even when you have nothing the only thing that you have left is to make a choice. That's the last thing. You still have something, which is in, just incredible that you did that. So what is next for you? Oh, man. That's such a in, – in what arena, right? Like yeah. what is next for me? So pushing into some new coaching opportunities, specifically for men that have walked through trauma and divorce. So – We've got a new course and program coming out called Divorce to Dream. You can find out more about that at divorcetodream.com. Okay, um, okay. Pushing more into expansive conversations of spiritual awakening and group coaching opportunities with that. Um, we are pushing, I mean, Kayla and I are pushing into some more real estate opportunities and doing things of that nature. We just launched a supplement company with my dear friend, mentor, brother, Brandon James Duncan called uh, Rare. Our first product is out. It's called Thrive. It is the only non-grass-based green superfood on the market. It tastes amazing, full of amazing adaptogens and uh, different micronutrients and phytonutrients. In fact, if anybody wants to to get it, um, just go to lifeisrare.com and put an ETL 10 and you'll get 10% off your order just for your for your people. And I'm awesome. um, not trying to push my product, but yes, what's next? We've got another <laughs> company coming out called Dabo. Um, and I'll talk more about that at a later date when it releases, but a lot of really, really cool things coming out. Um, and we're very, very excited about all of them because, you know, people look at my social media and they look at, you know, cute, like perfect pictures and things and think that life is just perfect for us and that we don't run our own adversity and everything is just roses all the time. It's not right. Life is hard in some ways, but it's all a gift. And so everything that you see from us, it's real and it's real because we create our life and we create our reality. And for your listeners, I, my challenge to you would be this. If you find yourself comparing yourself to others, if you find yourself looking at others' pictures and saying, man, that's that's the life I wish that I had, that's the success I wish that I had, that's the, the family I wish I had, the business I wish I had, one, understand that you're looking through the framework of social media, but two, I would I would position that you consider this. People ask us all the time how our life looks the way that it does. And my answer is simple. We create it every single day. If you want something different, if you want something new, if you want this life that you envision in your head, it's simply up to you to create it. And it's not your past. It's not your future. It's today. 
So whoever it is that you choose that you're going to become, become that person today. The endeavors that you have in your heart that you want to move forward, move them forward today. The bitterness that you're hanging on to, replace that with forgiveness. The frustration and the animosity and the lack that you feel in your heart, look around and replace it with the gratitude of things that you have, the experiences that have led you to this point, and the reality that there is breath in your lungs and you have a beating heart that you are capable of moving forward, that this life is in your control, not necessarily every event, but every response to every event. Every, and that you are much <clears throat> every response. You think you are. Yes. Every response to every event. That's an important distinction because people will say, well, I don't have control, but you do have control to every response to every event. And that should make you feel good. That should make you feel like, man, I haven't lost it all. <clears throat> I still have the choices that I can make that are yes. in my control. So Cody, wonderful to have you on. I feel like we could just talk for weeks. <laughs> just keep the conversation going. I know, right? We'll just, uh, you know, you've got a photographer going around. We'll just always have you mic'd. How about that? Just there always. <laughs> and hey, it, it, honestly, it is always such an honor. It's such a privilege um, to be able to serve your audience. Just, I mean, thank you for, like, I really want to honor you and what you're doing and give you my sincere appreciation and gratitude for allowing me a voice into your community and your audience. I, I really appreciate you and what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you so much. And we appreciate you, um, you know, just changing the, changing the world for, for people, not really for them, but just listening to them and what they need. And your voice is so helpful because, and this is, this is why it's critical that, that people listen to you. When, when I listened to you, when I first listened to you, I was like, oh my goodness, this is the code cracker. If you're, you know, if you're stuck, sometimes we don't even know why we're stuck. We're just saying, well, I'm stuck. I don't even know how to get out of it. I don't even know how to identify what being stuck means. And that's where we start. And we start there with you. And you have different ways of explaining things to people this is amazing to learn today. You haven't lost control because your decisions are in your control. So you're doing so much good for this audience and for the people who are listening. And, and thank you so much for that. Thank you. You bet. Okay. We are clear. Man, that was like a super deep one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to yeah. be like. You thought it was going to go? <laughs> no, I thought it was going to be like, ah, ha, 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 la, 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 la. No, and we just were like, whoosh, we're going in. We're going in. <laughs> that's good. That's good. And that's, and that's what I love is that, you know, we just follow this emotional conversation wherever it needs to go. Um, and I just, there are people in particular when we talk about you know, who are stuck. I'm, I'm talking about particular people that I see. Absolutely. You know? well, it's myself as well. And so trying to speak to them and not say me to say, you know, I know that several of you will relate to this and even bringing in the family pieces and yeah. the pieces of spiritual freedom and bond. Like, there are just so many, especially, you know, just in our culture that live under so much unnecessary 
self guilt and blame for, for belief systems that are just no longer useful. Oh, it's so true. It's so true. It's the hardest thing to do to break out of that, but it's very surprising. I found when I did that with my family, because there are very few people that I'm in touch with, um, and you can't see the toxicity when you're in that close proximity. And so, um, it was surprising though, to break free of that and to find that I had less sadness and more joy. Mm-hmm. And and people don't think that's going to be the case. They think it's going to be, oh, I'm just going to be sad forever. I'm going to miss this person forever. No, you have like you have so much joy at giving yourself the permission to finally live your life. So there's so many um, different areas that we relate in that way. Many, yeah. many different areas. I feel like you're a, I feel like a brotherhood with you. Oh, absolutely. I resonate with that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> totally. I love, I love every time we get to have a conversation. <laughs> I know it's trippy because we never know where it's going to go either. It's like, you I know, like it always goes in the right place. It does. It does. And, and we don't try and steer it. We're just like, we flow with it. It's really, yeah. it's really trippy. So, you know, I want to have you on again and, um, I want to just keep going deeper into helping people and really talking to people who are in pain and, and feeling like, um, being a victim is serving them because it's giving them attention. Um, and they rely on that. They're starting to rely on that. I want to dive into that. That's a, that's a tricky one because people get very, well, I'm not, I'm not doing that. I'm not, you know, and so I wonder if there are some questions that people can ask themselves to say, what is my reality? I mean, I think even starting there. Yeah. What is, what's, you know, and and we can step into that even from a, a perspective of, you know, what's mine to own, what's not mine to own, what's mine to hold on to, what's mine to release, right? And those are really important questions to ask ourselves as we, as we write out. So one of the action steps I have people do is just write out what they believe. I love it. I love it. I think, and, and, you know, we could take them through that exercise. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Awesome. Good. All right. We've already got three planned out. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, you give yourself and your family a great big hug for me. And, um, I'm hoping that Kayla is also feeling better. I didn't want to, uh, intrude, but I know she was going through some neurological things. Is she doing okay? She's great. We got it all figured out. Oh, um, good. It was, yeah, and she's actually starting a platform for it now because uh, it, it, what happened was, and I'll be brief about this. Um, so for nine years or eight years, she has, she's had a single, uh, she's, she's been a single mom to a very, very special needs kid. Yeah. Walked it alone. And then she had Emmy and you know, with them in that they have different ads and neither one's involved. And so she's done this by herself for forever, mm-hmm. Hospitals, you know, ERs, handling insurance, like a- a- all of it working, you know, she was a trauma nurse, worked in the OR first responder. So she's just used to all of this chaos in her life. Well, and then you've got somebody like me who comes in now she can be a stay at home mom because of the nature of our businesses. I mean, I, I don't drive cars like Ryan, uh, but we do well. And, (laughs) 
we'd if, if I if I drove a supercar in Bixby, Oklahoma, like my grandma would just kick my ass. Uh, <laughs> it's just not that's not. The, I'm like, just give me a Harley and a few dirt bikes and like you know 300 acres, and that's what we, we've got 12 acres that backs up to 360, and like that's success. <laughs> like, that's that's what we love. Love it. I love you know? it. Um, and so you've got this scenario where now I'm like, Hey, you don't have to work. You can be a stay at home mom. That's what you want to do. Um, and now I'm at the hospital. I'm the one when she's starting to get ill, like I'm taking care of her, which is, so what happened is it, the trigger was, uh, she, she has severe PTSD and it's causing anxiety, panic attacks. Um, it's causing her SVT to flare up. We've got it under control now, but we like, nobody could figure out what it was until we went to some specialists and they're like, you're suffering from severe, like we only see this typically in veterans. Yeah. You're having flashbacks, nightmares, you're waking up in cold sweats, you know, like this is severe PTSD. And the reason it's happening is because she's safe. Oh, oh, this is the first time in eight, nine years that she's been able to breathe and actually process what's been happening. Yes. And it's overwhelming because it was always the, you know, just fight, 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 fight. And now there's no fight. There's some flight, right? I don't want you to take care of me. I don't need you to do this. I'm like, well, I'm here. Right. And so that's what it is. So now starting a platform for women of, or moms of like single moms for special needs kids helping them understand and navigate through their own PTSD. Oh my God. See, that's amazing. That's pain into purpose right there, right there. And to you, I want to say you hang in there. Okay. Because Deacon and I are, I know it's hard though. I mean, I'm not saying like you, you're going to leave or anything. I'm just saying like, I know it's hard, but I also know that your constant being there. And you're just recognizing this onset of severe emotion coming your way. It has nothing to do with you, has nothing to do with you. It is all a response. And it becomes this visceral, instinctive response also at this point because she has had it grooved into her brain. So I'm telling you this because. I've been with Deacon now for nine years. It'll be nine years on July 18th. It took a very long time for me to even believe that he would do anything he said he was going to do. He would, I'll give you an example. I was like, okay, listen, I need you to pick the kids up today. And in the back of my head, I would be planning what would happen when that would fall through and I would have to go pick the kids up. So we had to have that conversation of you're going to have to let me do what I say I'm going to do. And you're also going to have to let me be human. So I'm telling you, you're magnificent. You're so wonderful for her and for these children. And it's hard. But when you break through, holy shit, holy shit, the calm, the, the, it's almost like a different sort of attraction is going to happen where she'll just gravitate to you. And so just bless you all over the place, but hang in. And it's, and it's not easy to love a woman who has been just, you know, first of all, she should have her adrenal checked because her levels are probably completely low and 
She's she she may even be in. A, I'm trying to think of. It's not parasympathetic, but it's a state where everything is a panic because that's what she's conditioned to. So if you're five minutes late getting home, she thinks you died in a car wreck, right? Right. Yeah. So. Or- are you seeing someone else? Because in her previous relationship, there was a lot of infidelity. Mm, okay. So it goes back to the pain that she's most familiar with. Totally. Oh, man. You know, oh, like I mean, there's just, there's so many layers to it. Yes. And it's just being, for me, being aware of those and being able to speak into them in a way that she can hear and understand, right? So when she will say those things, I say, hey, listen, I am not X, Y, Z. I can understand why you would feel this way and why this would be a trigger. So moving forward, if I'm going to be late, if this is going to happen, I'm going to text you or call you. I'm going to let you know like what I'm doing just because it's not that you don't trust me and I don't feel like you don't trust me, but I don't want this trigger for you. Yes. Yes, that's exactly it. And it's so great that you're able to say, this is not about you not trusting me. It's about what you need because of what you're conditioned to. And so I'm going to give that to you. Yeah. That's amazing. I'm so proud of you. Oh. <laughs> well, thanks. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay. Um, well, I, I suppose I should probably wrap this up and do your intro and outro and, uh, and then it'll be probably a couple weeks, you know, the usual timeframe and then just share it all over the crazy place. This has been one of my, this has by far been one of my favorite interviews that I've ever done. I feel like this was, this is actually outside of business tips and strategy and how to grow your follow all this, you know, bullshit everyone wants to hear about. I mean, this is, This is probably one of the most meaningful interviews I've done. So thank you for allowing when we talk sick biz, you know, like thank you for allowing this type of conversation, allowing that kind of platform to exist. Because as somebody who does a lot of interviews, it just doesn't. Oh my God. Oh my God. I don't know how it doesn't. And then and then like when we talk to each other, it's so natural. I'm like, how do people not go there with you? Like Because well, everybody wants to know, how'd you build your following so quickly? How do you generate your income? How do you... Oh, blah, blah, blah. How do you build <laughs> and click funnels? How do you... Yeah. <laughs> oh, you're so much more than that. You're just, you're just an amazing person. So please give your family and yourself a giant hug from me. And um, I'll be in touch with you shortly. And we'll get, we'll get rolling. Love it. I could talk to Cody for hours. Literally, every time we sit down, it seems like we skate on the surface of everything. We may be hesitant to change due to feelings of discomfort, or we might not even know where to start. Cody's expertise as a results coach can help you get unstuck. He can help you identify where you need to focus to make a change to better your life. And these are tough things that we're talking about reframing victimization into ownership, pain as the most powerful teacher, relearning self-affirmations and walking away from toxicity so it is not in our proximity. I'm going to say something that might blow your mind. Your pain doesn't matter unless you use it to learn from and wade deeper into the parts of your life where you are meant to be. 
If you would like to get in touch with Cody and learn more about how to accept and even embrace the lion in your life, the multiple lions in your life, because he's got multiple businesses that serve people, head on over to embracethelion.org. Did you like what you heard? Please listen, subscribe, share, and leave a review for Sick Biz Buzz wherever podcasts are available. Reviews like yours give our show a boost and get our content into more ears all over the place. We want to thank the Good Men Project again for having our back, and we want to thank you for listening. That's it for this week's episode of Sick Biz Buzz. Thanks so much for joining us. Be well.